This is the Easy Living Yards podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that loves when a job is finished. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 56 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going to talk about a front yard landscaping project update for our yard. If you are tuning into this show for the first time, uh, just a quick update about my personal life is we've been working on a front yard landscaping project to really spruce up our front entry. And so welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. This is going to be an awesome show about showcasing what you can do with your landscape and how to have the confidence to move forward with your landscaping projects. So really, I want this show not to be just a bunch of talking about me, but more kind of showcasing what's possible, what you can do with a DIY landscaping project, and what's the value of it? What, you know, what's the outcome of doing such a project? So that's really what I want this show to be as an inspiration for you to move forward with your landscaping, to transform your life into a better state, whether it's just through enjoyment or through saving time in maintenance on your landscape. That's really what I like to talk about here on this show is how you can transform your life through your landscaping to have a better life and more freedom, more time in your life to do what's important to you. So, of course, as usual, before we jump into that main topic, I've got a few things to cover. First, if you're interested in having a supportive community uh, of people pushing you forward to make a positive change in your landscape, you need the coaching and the commitment and the... the um, the confidence to move forward as well, consider joining the Easy Living Yards membership. It will be launching to the public very soon. So go on over and get on the list to get notified ASAP to be part of the first group of people as part of the the open membership. Right now we're doing our founders membership group right now. So we have a couple people in there right now kind of greasing the wheels, getting things ready for everybody and really kind of you know, taking the membership to the next level before it opens. So, um, if you want to be part of that membership, as soon as it opens, head on over to how slash membership, and you'll find out some details there. All right, next, let's move into today's favorite plant. So I like to highlight a plant for most episodes, not every episode, um, but I love talking about plants. Most people do that are thinking about landscaping. They at least like to understand plants. Maybe they don't love talking about them as much as I do. But anyway, um, I, I can't believe I have not highlighted this plant yet because it's quickly become one of my favorites. I, I've only discovered this plant maybe about a year or two ago is when I really started to learn about this plant. And uh, I've also become just really interested in grasses, especially native grasses and the potential beauty they can bring into the landscape. And this one does not disappoint. And this grass uh, is probably my most favorite. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite from the plants we selected for our landscape design that we're talking about today. But this is one of my favorites just because of the year-round interest it provides um, from just the color of the, you know, and the texture and the form. Um, it's just kind of a, I don't know, to me it's, an, it's a very good... Um, 
not a background plant, but it's like it's it's just your base plant basically. So it you know it fills in the space, but not in a way where it just blends into the background, but it actually adds interest in its own right. And so it's a wonderful space filler at the same time as bringing beauty to the landscape. And so without further discussion, uh, today's plant is the prairie drop seed. And this is an awesome plant. Um, the Latin name is Sparabolus heterolepis. It's ridiculously hard to spell, so just check out the show notes. Um, this is a grass, as I mentioned. It's a perennial grass, so it means it comes back every year. It grows in USDA zones 3 to 9. This is a native plant to a broad swath of the United States, mostly um, east of the Rockies um, and uh of course, the kind of your short grass prairie type plant. So it grows um, two to three feet tall, two to three feet wide. And it's kind of like a, it spreads by seed mostly. And so it it grows in clumps. It's a clump forming grass that um, propagates by seed. And so you'll slowly, if you just let these seeds fall across your landscape, it will slowly spread uh, with new clumps growing up. Now, it's not like a, you know, crazy propagator or anything where it's going to take over your whole garden, especially if you're kind of maintaining it every once in a while. But it's pretty much like this is a plant. You leave it go. It takes care of itself and it adds beauty to your landscape without having to do too much to it. This grass, as many grasses do, it prefers full sun. So this is a full sun type plant, um, dry to medium moisture. So this, this tolerates a lot of drought. Actually, let me just read through. I, I stole this from, um, a lot of the links I provide for these favorite plants I get from the Missouri Botanical Garden. If you have not checked out the Missouri Botanical Gardens plant finder resource, it is an awesome resource, especially if you live in the eastern United States or a similar climate um, from, you know, anywhere from the, your, your kind of, um, I guess, what am I trying to say? Not your, not quite subtropical, but just slightly northern of your subtropics um, here in the northern hemisphere and into your temperate region as well. So I'm talking like anywhere from like northern Florida up through like, you know, your New England states. There's a ton of plants that fit those conditions um, in in these plant database. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, all right. So uh, from the Missouri Botanical Garden Plant Finder tool, here's what this plant is listed as tolerating. It tolerates deer, drought, erosion, dry soil, shallow rocky soil, and air pollution. Like this plant is just ridiculously hardy. It's awesome. In addition, it attracts birds. So the seeds in it, um, if it, you know, it keeps some of those seeds over the winter time, and birds will come in and kind of graze off of those seeds. A very helpful resource for wildlife, especially bringing interest in the winter landscape. So, you know, our landscape, we usually think of the plants in our landscape, but the reality is it's not just the plants, but also the hardscape elements. So sometimes you have rocks or something that, especially in those, those drier times of the year or those colder times of the year, when everything is kind of dormant, um, having some of those hardscape elements brings in a lot of interest as well as your structural elements. And that can be plants as well, but also the wildlife value too. So bringing life and vibrance into your landscape through the wildlife you attract into your landscape can be very exciting and very fun. Okay. So that's enough about the prairie drop seed. If you want to find out more about that, check out the show notes over at ely.how slash episode 56. 
Or you can uh, also find the show notes in your podcast app there, most likely, and I have details on it there and links as well. Okay, so let's get into the main topic. So let's update you on our front garden. And more importantly, let's inspire you and give you the confidence and some ideas. Get those wheels turning for you to move forward in your landscape and how you can make a positive difference and have a similar positive outcome with, with your landscape as well. So what I'm going to do is kind of just run you through some of our our goals and also how we kind of met up to those goals and then what's like this the outcome of all this. Um, so that's kind of the format of the show. Now the first thing I want to preface this is our project is finished and that's finished with with an exclamation. <laughs> all right, we're finished, right? Yeah, there we go. All right. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. So um, this project did take longer than planned. Um, it. It happened later than planned as well. So we didn't get really to breaking ground on it until late summer, early fall. And a lot of the work was done on evenings and weekends, mostly by myself, uh, as you know, uh, we were taking care of the kids as well. So it's kind of one of us leading, taking care of the kids, one of us working on the garden, uh, which usually ended up being me. And, um, and so it's kind of working here and there in pockets and then occasional help from somebody else here and there. But mostly this was a project that I was working on and it lasted from early fall through um, early winter. So yes, I was working on it, I think officially wrapping it up. You know what? I might have just, It might have just been a fall project. I might have finished it before December 21st. So I was working on it in December of 2018. And so it, it was a pretty long project, but that timing actually worked out really great because, um, one, we had a very mild December. So the ground was not frozen uh, for the most part. And I was able to install these plants when the roots were or the top growth was mostly dormant. There's not a whole lot of activity going on. Um, There should still be time for these roots to get well-established before the heat of the summer uh, of 2019. And and that's really what you want to do is is make sure you're establishing your plants at the right time of year to allow them to thrive as best possible. And so in our region, uh, as a general rule, uh, our our plants are best, the perennial plants are best uh, planted during fall. Uh, so kind of like that tail end of summer through fall and through early winter uh, at the very latest. And so, um, yeah, so we're finished. Uh, that's exciting. And I'm really al- already enjoying the beauty of it. It's re- really what we're looking at right now is mostly a, a few dead plant material pieces and mulch. But even that looks way better than what it used to. So um, we're already very happy and excited about it. And we're also in in excited anticipation of watching all this plant growth come to life and, and really seeing um, how well some of the plants took. You know, there's always some plants that don't take, and that's just part of the reality of it. So it's it's interesting to see what will happen uh, come the warmer months. Okay, right now in the frigid February months, let's just talk about it and um, really get us excited. This is a great time of year to be planning a project before, you know, everything kicks into gear with the growing season and, you know, things take off. So this is a really great time to be talking about this. So our goals with the front garden, and I guess to paint a picture for you, I'll have a, um, I guess the, the picture, the main picture for the show, um, will show a, a kind of a preview of what our garden plan looks like. So you can kind of 
envision what it will look like once it's fully established. I, I use the 3D modeling program to design it. That's not something everybody will do, and that's totally fine. Uh, it's just a tool, a resource that I am capable of using, and that's why I used it. Um, okay, so our garden is basically, before we had this garden put in, uh, we almost had just like a weed bed right in front of our house, this rectangular weed bed. And our house is your typical um, suburban house where it's two stories for the main part of the house, uh, a very small porch right in the center, I guess. Um, and so on the most part of the main house is two stories and uh, and with the, the porch kind of on the the left side of that and then further left of that there's just a one-story section that is the garage and behind it uh, an extra room as well and so hopefully that paints a little bit of a picture of what our house looks like um so with the full layout the the porch kind of appears to be in the center even though it's like on the left side of the main house and then the driveway comes up to the left of the porch and so that's our house you know very kind of cookie cutter type house of the mid 70s and really there wasn't much landscaping there was a a very simple uh quarter circle path that came from the porch out to the driveway it was about three feet wide um and then you know so there was a partly um quarter circle area of of planting there as well, which was essentially a weed bed. We had tried to put in a few things here and there. Um, and when we moved in, it was a bunch of overgrown yew bushes that we ended up ripping out. Um, and so they were just really, they were overgrown. We could hardly get to the house. And so they ended up getting ripped out. And in the meantime, we just kind of hodgepodge through some stuff in there without really making a concerted effort to beautify the space. So and ended up having basically a weed patch to the left of the porch, a weed patch to the right of the porch if you're facing the front of the house. And it was just a mess. And then a bunch of lawn. And that's basically our front yard. And so what we decided to do was uh, uh, um, completely redesign that front area, including the sidewalk. And I'll get into that in a little bit as to why we did that. Um and so now what we have is basically a, a, a larger pathway with a smaller um, planting bed next to the porch, just between the porch and the driveway. And on the, to the right of the porch, we have a, a kind of a curvilinear uh, circular-based pattern of um, plantings as well that's expanded beyond what it currently or previously was with, of course, much more intent. And so that's kind of our our design. Uh, and the additional piece we put in was to the very left of the house to kind of mirror what we did on the right side, the right corner of the house. We planted a, a small uh, garden patch there as well to really frame the house and bring it together. And so it's kind of like a more cohesive design across the whole front of the house. Okay, so that's kind of hopefully painting a little bit of picture of what we have. Um, as far as plants go on those corners, we have some vertical structure uh, with evergreens. So we used arborvitae for that, um, very common plant. And these were very specific ones that we chose. Uh, they were more of a narrow uh, columnar variety that uh, grows very um, 
very narrow and up to about 12 to 15 feet. So they really are going to give that vertical accent to the garden, which we wanted, uh, without, you know, becoming too bulky. And so um, I think they'll turn out really well. Right now, we bought um, some smaller ones uh, due to expense reasons. And so they're about uh, maybe only about two feet tall right now. So we'll see how they do over time. And likewise, we have some beautiful evergreen accents on either side of the porch uh, that also um, should really give some beautiful vertical structure in that space to frame that space as well and bring your eye into the center of the home. And um, and those are junipers. I'll, I'll do another show where I talk about the plants more specifically, but I just want to paint you a picture of these are the year-round structure and the most you know significant structure are these uh, small trees so the arborvitae these junipers they're a, a selected variety that um, will grow basically like pencil thin uh, and uh, about up to about uh, eight to ten feet as mature and so they're very small trees um, and they'll they'll provide a, a wonderful accent in that space without overtaking it and that's very important and then the rest of the plantings are a few shrubs and then smaller herbaceous perennials and grasses that will fill in the rest of the space give a lot of color throughout the year at various times and also some um texture and structure throughout the colder months as well. So that's kind of painting a picture of our garden real quickly. And now let's get into what were the goals of our design overall. So you kind of heard little hints of them already. So let's talk about them more specifically. So the first goal, I would say this might actually be the most important goal overall, was to enhance access to our home. So I mentioned how our walkway was this kind of very narrow walkway. It's your typical contractor um, installation. It was just a very narrow path. Um, it's you know it's a lot cheaper to put in something like that. It's enough to get the job done, but it was unattractive. It was uh, very um, unuseful as well. So think of right now we have three young kids and um, ranging from five down to one year old, and so it's very difficult for us to just walk out of our house and toward our vehicles and back again when we're getting home, uh, walking, you know, our kids single file down this pathway. And so it's very um, inconvenient to use. And it kind of adds like just this, you know, it's this big expansive house with this constrictive entry point. And so it's just not a good situation to have uh, to create a welcoming space. So what we decided, it was a lot of, um, investment, but we decided to remove this walkway and replace it completely. And so that's a pretty big decision. And so that was the most um, intense part of this design probably was replacing the walkway first and doing it properly. And so we made a much wider um, circular pattern walkway that kind of broadened out toward the driveway. Um, you'll see that hopefully in the picture that I provide in the, in the show. Um, and we also decided to make this a beautiful patterned walkway with stamped concrete. And so we did this ourselves. This was a pretty big project to take on. So um, we did the research up front um, to figure out how to do it properly. We rented the right materials that we did not already own. And um, we went ahead and made an installation of a new walkway, which turned out beautiful. We're incredibly happy with the result. And... Um, well, I'm already getting getting ahead of myself. So one of the goals was to enhance access. There we go. We'll leave it at that. The next goal was to enhance beauty. And so as far as enhancing beauty, as I mentioned, we basically had some weed patches and uh, not much going on. And so we 
um, intended to change that. Uh, also to increase value. Um, so landscaping can be very valuable for a home's value overall. And so our intent was to change that to where it provides, you know, uh, that physical curb appeal, right? That uh, perceived curb appeal, I guess. And so that was part of our intent. Also to reduce maintenance. We had a lot of weeding going on just to kind of, even though we didn't have much going on there, there were just weeds that were constantly taking over the space because there was nothing growing there. And that's what weeds do is they fill in spaces, they fill in voids where something is not already taking care of that void. And so um, we had a lot of work just to maintain that space. Um, And also a lot of edging along the sidewalk that usually didn't get done, but should have been done. Um, and, uh, so it kind of looked pretty rough. And so that was, you know, a maintenance that we wanted to reduce also increase our pride in the space in our home and, and, um, next to express the regional character of our region. And, uh, that I'll get into more of that later. Um, and last, but certainly not least, especially for you folks here, was to demonstrate this process. Demonstrate what you can do with DIY landscaping projects and the outcome potential uh, from these projects. Okay, so those were our goals in a not-so-short nutshell. Um, let's get into now some details of how we measured up to our goals. How successful were we with this project? Where did maybe we fall short a little bit? Um, and what could we have maybe improved? And some of this, you know, time will tell for a lot of it, but, but let's dive in at least to really understand what our goals were. And this is really important when you're doing a project is, is first lay out your goals, have your plan in place, be prepared that the plan might change, but make sure it measures up to your goals and vision. And, you know, if you need to adapt your goals somewhat, perhaps as you discover something, but usually the vision stays pretty much the same. And I've got, I've talked about this in previous episodes about design and, and, uh, how to landscape like a pro. Um, but this is really important is as you wrap up your project, kind of think back to those original goals and vision and, and figure out how you stacked up toward those goals. So that's what we're going to do here. I'm going to kind of give you an, an eye of how to do that and, and to kind of what you can do from that. You know, it might influence how you maybe do some continual um, upgrades to your project, or it might influence how you work on a a future project on some other part of your landscape, for example. So it, it can be really helpful. Okay, so let's jump in. So with access, that was our first goal was to improve our access. I would say I already talked about this a whole lot, so I'll try and make this one brief. But I would say overall, we greatly improved our access. We also, just this part, really improved our pride in the space too. And I'll jump into that in a little bit. Um, now, I would say... Um, one of the things we did too is how we designed our garden is now it's framed on either side of the pathway by a garden bed. And that was not the case previously. So we had a garden bed on the inside of the curvature of our walkway that was closer to the house. So it was this little quarter circle garden. Um, and then the other side was bordered by a lawn. And so now that's a garden bed. But what we did is we added a stone, uh, well, a, a concrete um, stone pathway that matches our our concrete um, walkway and it allows easy access to the yard still so that's a really good thing we improved the access to the driveway from the front porch but we still allowed easy access to the yard which is really nice now if i'm going to take my critical eye or um, you know improvement eye to this 
design. I actually might have even widened the the driveway part of the walkway even more. I mean, it's pretty wide already. So our walkway at the front porch where it touches the front porch is about six feet in width. Where it touches the driveway, it's about 10 feet wide. So it's pretty wide. Um, It's really convenient um, at allowing access uh, from the vehicles. Now, the one thing I might have done is even widen it more or work to change our habits with how we use the driveway. So right now we have a double wide driveway and it just, it, it, it fits two vehicles snugly. So it's very difficult to open the doors wide um, when the kids are loading and unloading from the car or when you're parked next to the edge uh, and facing the edge to not step onto the lawn or a garden instead of onto concrete. Uh, when you're parked. So with that said, you know, it's nice to be able to park and to have, to be able to walk around either side of the vehicle onto the pathway. And it's very close right now. Um, So if I widened it, maybe even a few feet more, it would have been nice uh, to do so just for access. Now that said, we're very happy with the result right now. It's, it's a thousand percent better than what it was previously. So that was just kind of one analysis of our access. That may have been improved. Next, beauty. Now, when it comes to improving the beauty of our space, I'll preface this with our garden is still in, in its infancy. You know, it's it's just after birth, basically. We're still in the hospital uh, recovering, right? <laughs> um, and, and so it's really hard to assess this goal right now. But I would say, like I mentioned earlier, it already looks better. So I'm already very excited that the beauty will be greatly improved. Now, whether it not it measures up to my goals uh, is you know something that has to be determined really over the next one year and even three to five years until the garden starts to come into its own. So over the next year, we'll see basically how does plant survival look um, after transplanting from the nursery and uh, you know weathering through what's turning out to be a pretty chilly winter. Um, you know we had a mild early winter and now it's it's uh, February has been pretty tough. So um, we'll see kind of how these plants do and and uh, that'll be kind of the first year assessment is is what's still alive, what needs replaced and and that's always a reality. There's some stuff that might need replaced. The next two to three to four years after that will be really determining okay how well have the plants established and are they thriving and are they happy and then after about two years or so it will be how is the space filled in because by that point the mulch the heavy layers of mulch that we've added will be uh, mostly turning into soil we'll have some weeds that we're wanting to compete with that space if it's not been filled in by the plants we've designed. And so at that point, we might be adding a few plants here and there, a few filler plants to kind of fill in the space and just outcompete weeds. Um, and so we'll see with that time. But overall, with all that happening, um, I'm very confident that the beauty of this space will be greatly enhanced. And so we'll just see how it goes over time. A value. Value increase. So when it comes to increasing the value, it's really hard to quantify this, especially early on. But right now, by my best estimates, just this front, just doing the front yard landscaping, not even the whole yard, but right next to the foundation. So upgrading your foundation plantings, I'm estimating that we've increased the value of our home five to $10,000, just this simple design. And, and really that's a, that's a huge return on investment for this project, uh, especially from a 
monetary standpoint. Now, there was a significant portion of time we've put into this project. But from a monetary standpoint, we've really increased the value of this um, home just with our front landscape because we've greatly enhanced the curb appeal, which enhances, for one, the resale value, but also the speed from which we can sell it to. So when people come in and they see a landscape that's been well tended and has a beautiful garden, especially at the entrance, it's the most noticeable space for gardening. When they notice that, it it increases the likelihood of purchase. So while it might not increase the sale value directly, you also might just increase the odds of selling your home uh, overall. Now, we don't plan to do that right now, but this is our estimate is that we've increased the value five to $10,000 just with this small project. And I'll get into how much we invested in this project later on. Maintenance reduction. This is also pretty hard to tell um, now because, you know, we just established this garden. We don't know how it's going to perform overall. Um, and so we'll, time will tell. It will require more work this next year uh, in the following year to make sure plants are, especially during the stressful times, are well watered. Uh, also, how how much things survived the the harshness of winter to see if they've pulled through well. Um, so after that, um, and making sure things are watered properly, but not overly watered, um, any weeds that might come in over the next year or two um, might be a bit of maintenance. After that, I'm estimating that there's only about five hours of year of maintenance. Uh, this is really about two to three years in uh, when we're talking about this. So we'll see um, how that measures out over time. It's hard to tell right now. Okay, next pride. Uh, We already have an immense amount of pride in this space. It looks much better. It really looks like a premium design. Um, You know, it looks professionally done. (laughs) I mean, I do consider myself a landscape professional uh, by, um, you know, I'm not a full-time career landscaper, but you know, this is my passion and this is what I do through Easy Living Yards. So it's, yeah, I guess in a way it is a premium landscape, but this is something you can do on your landscape too. All right, you can get premium results with your landscaping without being a career professional. All right, so that's what the Easy Living Yards membership is here to do. That's what the Easy Living Yards podcast is here to do as well, is to teach you how to get premium results by yourself or, you know, mostly by yourself and, and to do it with confidence and to have a wonderful result at the same time. So I would say, yeah, our yard, it looks great. We're super proud of it. We've gotten a lot of great compliments from friends and family already that really you can tell the surprise in their voice um, as they kind of step onto our new walkway and look at our new garden bed. Even though that it's basically a pile of mulch right now for the garden beds, you can tell there's a perceived value to it already. And so it's wonderful. It's really happy. We're, or we're really happy with that outcome so far. Regional character. Now the regional character of the space has been basically, this is something we want to express Southwestern Ohio and the beauty that can come from Southwestern Ohio. And, and I would say more, it's kind of the beauty of the region. So this, um, Midwest Plains Valley region, we're in this, you know, interesting river Valley in Southwestern Ohio, but, um, you know, beyond us is these, the plains area, um, a lot of woodland plains and, um, it's, you know, so we wanted to kind of express that we didn't, with this design, we couldn't put in a bunch of trees, you know, it doesn't have a bunch of mature oaks and maples and going around everywhere in beach. But uh, instead, we wanted to increase So we wanted to express some of the herbaceous plants. So some of those perennial plants that don't get overly big, 
And so we did adapt a lot of kind of short grass prairie natives uh, into this type of design. And so overall, I think we're pretty successful with this project in expressing regional character. It's something that uh, we intended to, you know, we have mostly native plants in this design. There are a couple non-natives and it it does provide year-round interest also uh, year-round wildlife support, which is important to us. Um, it educates our children on native plants, uh, what plants you know come from uh, the North American content, continent, um, and uh, you know what some of the indigenous people here used to live off of. So we have some of those plants in this space. Uh, likewise, it's a discussion point for guests and friends. And so as people come into the space and we talk about the plants, especially a lot of these are unfamiliar plants that are beautiful. So we can say, oh yeah, you know, this plant's beautiful. Um, this liatris here is, uh, is also known as blazing star, prairie blazing star. And, uh, you know, it's actually native to the North American continent, which is really cool. And it's such a beautiful plant. And here it is right in our landscape. And so uh, overall, expressing the regional character was a a big goal of ours. And I think time will tell again, but I think we've really pulled through on that one to show some beautiful plants that um, aren't always that popular uh, in the landscape. And that that I think they'll look wonderful together in a design. Next, demonstrating the process. That's what we're doing with this episode, right? So this was one of my goals is to, instead of just talking all the time about DIY landscaping, it was my intent to show how to do a DIY landscape, how to do it the right way and, and to do it cohesively in a way that gives you a wonderful outcome. You know, there's a lot of resources out there that kind of just show us how to do things kind of hodgepodge or not how to do a full design together. And that's really what Easy Living Yards is about is to how to, how to do a good landscape design uh, from the, the concept through the design process, through the installation process, and to do it in a way where you get a beautiful outcome as a result. And all of those steps are really important. If you don't have one of those clear enough, then you're not going to have a good outcome. And so that's what this process is about. That's what this installation was about. So it's not only enhancing the beauty of our house, but it's also about demonstrating this process for you to move forward with your landscape and to do the same. And so what we've done is we've documented the process throughout and we're sharing it in this episode and likewise through courses we're developing through the membership. And so um, that's where we'll be kind of showcasing this process and how you can do the same thing for your landscape. Of course, it won't be the exact same design, but the process is very similar. And that's what we can showcase through this front yard landscape redesign project. Um, So Let's jump into the numbers now. So we kind of talked about, you know, value and and that sort of thing. So what are the numbers that we really kind of invested in this project from a time standpoint and also from a cost standpoint? So for the entrance walk, the cost for our entrance walk, which was, let's see, we did, it was just about... um, we ordered two yards of concrete. So that's how bulk concrete is ordered is in cubic yards. So we ordered about two yards of concrete. We had to rent some stamping materials. I also rented a float, a bull float, which is what you use to kind of smooth out your concrete and kind of work the work some of the aggregate down and, and bring some of the smoothness to the surface. Um, so we rented those materials. Uh, a lot of the other materials we had ourselves, like the framing materials. Um, I also had to purchase some gravel for the underlayment, the base of the concrete, uh, which was relatively inexpensive. Um, 
And so all in all, that cost was about $1,000 for two cubic yards of concrete. It covered, I think, I can't remember, I should have looked this up. I I think it was just about 200 um, square feet of concrete. That's, I think that's what it was. So uh, we talking about a... Um, yeah, it was about six feet wide at the entrance to the house, about 10 feet wide toward the street or the, the driveway and, uh, a kind of a, a quarter circle design. So, um, a widening quarter circle. So yeah, I think it was about 200 square feet. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, for whatever reason that actually sounds kind of small, but, um, anyway, two cubic yards, about a thousand bucks. And really that's not too bad for concrete. And that's with the materials. If you're not doing stamping, you know, those stamping materials, uh, just to rent them and to get the release, um, uh, stuff to, you know, the, there's a powder you put on that really, that helps you release the, the, uh, stamps from the concrete without, you know, sticking and pooling. And also, uh, we used a stain, uh, a colorant stain into the concrete itself to give it kind of a premium look. Uh, so those were kind of add on costs as well. That was a few hundred dollars. So if you're just doing br- basic concrete, the cost would be cheaper. Um, okay. Plants. We spent about right now with, uh, without having to do replacement costs yet, we spent about a thousand dollars on plants and, um, that covers a pretty dense planting arrangement, much denser than you see with most landscapes. And the idea here is we planted densely to, um, shade out the space once they're mature and to, uh, prevent weed competition. So we're not planted so dense where we're going to have plant to plant competition so much, at least that's the hope, but instead we're going to have, uh, competition of the the overgrowth to suppress weeds through suppression of light to the soil and also just through um, competition as well okay so that was about a thousand bucks for that space and again i can't i can't remember the square footage of our planting design but check out the picture you'll kind of get a general idea Um, the design work uh, for the overall design work for this project, we're talking about uh, uh, about 20 hours of work from doing uh, on-paper design. I also did a digital design just for showcasing. Um, you don't need to do a digital design unless you know any sort of 3D modeling programs. Instead, you can do this on paper. You can do it uh, kind of an overhead design and then also kind of sketch out what it would look like horizontally if you need to. Or you can do it uh, kind of ad hoc in the space real time. And we've talked about that in some previous episodes. Um, so yeah, 20 hours for the design work. That's kind of getting through a couple concepts and then going back and forth with my wife, figuring out what we both like, uh, what we should change and kind of doing a few uh, variations. And then finally coming up with the final design, getting a specific plant list together with planting instructions and uh, moving forward for the planting purchase and materials purchase as well. Okay, the work part, I actually have it um, written down here with a bit less, but the reality is, as I was thinking about it, the the labor was pretty intense with this project. And when I was thinking about that, I had help with the concrete work. It, it ups the labor numbers I have here. So the reality is this was probably about a 60-hour, 60, 60 man-hours project uh, and woman hours. Um, <laughs> uh, so... That's of course, if you have multiple people, that no, you know, it's not sixty total hours of work. It's it's much reduced, and and so just by myself, if I take away the concrete part, um, I'm talking about 
probably about 40 hours on the garden project part and 60 on the concrete part. So a lot of that work was just having my, I had my brother and my dad over on site to help with the concrete pour. Um, Really another person might've been a little bit more helpful, um, but that was a couple hours of work just the three of us to kind of really make sure we're doing a good quality job before the concrete set up. And so, um, yeah, uh, really, you know, overall, if we're talking about that's $2,000 invested and about uh, 60 to 80 hours of total work um, for this project, it's a pretty big project. So it sounds like a lot of hours. Um, but if you, you know, you take this in bite sizes, like I said, I was doing this evenings, uh, on weekends, taking chunks out of the day, getting the project done over a couple months. And um, really, the outcome is just absolutely gorgeous. And so um, this is what a project should look like for you is, um, you know, a decent investment, but also an investment of time, especially you notice there's a good chunk of design work in that time too. That's really important to do the planning properly. So then when you're getting to the actual work, you're doing it the right way and not making costly mistakes in time or money. Okay. So 2000 bucks, like I said, overall, uh, we think the increased value of the home, the perceived value and the resale value is five to 10,000 more. So um, even just this small project right in front of our house is big, uh, big return on investment. And let's talk about that a little bit more. So front entry gardens, front entry gardens are the most impactful space on the property. And why is that? Well, for one, this is where you welcome people into your home, yourself, When you're coming home from work after a tough day, this is the space that welcomes you back home. So it says, welcome home, uh, you owner. (laughs) And, uh, you know, coming into a beautiful landscape, you know, just that breath of freshness that re-welcomes you back home is really important. So welcoming for you, also welcoming for all of your guests. It kind of puts a stamp of expression, an expression of yourself an expression of the space, an expression maybe even of the architecture that you might be mimicking or mirroring in the landscape. So like we used some of those vertical plants to, to accent some of the architecture in the vertical structure of our home, for example. Um, likewise, it's an architectural enhancement. So this is why you don't move into a house with zero landscaping. Even the contractors throw in a couple boxwoods or taxis plants at the base of the home because it just looks barren without, unless you have, you know, a strikingly modern home that's a cubic design or something. Uh, unless it's that, you know, if you have your t- typical suburban home, uh, in American home, you have most likely a foundation planting that's already thrown in place, just slapped together really fast by the contractors before they sell it. Why? Because it's important to have that architectural enhancement to ease the transition between the built environment and the natural, uh, landscape environment. And by natural, I mean, just mean the, the organic environment, the lawn, not necessarily like forest, right? But you get what I'm saying. So it's really important for an architectural enhancement. The better the design, the the more value, more perceived value it is. And that's the next piece is it increases the value of the home. We've already talked about this several times and it bears repeating. A good front entry design is probably the most impactful increase in value across your home. So it's really impactful. That's why I recommend you start here unless you don't feel comfortable starting there first. If you want to try a smaller project first, go ahead and do that. But the goal should be to redesign your front entry first if you're not too super happy with it and then move on to other parts of your landscape. And so 
I hope this has kind of given you a good picture of what um, a front landscape redesign might look like for you. Also, maybe what you should expect out of it and as far as uh, investment as well as some of your different goals potentially. And so I want you to come out of this show inspired to make a positive change in your landscape to, to really feel confident that you can do it too. And you can also get a really premium outcome with your work. It, do, it just takes commitment, effort, and a little bit of confidence. And so if you want some help and some community to do this, make sure you check out the Easy Living Yards membership to get the community together. Uh, you know, we have a community of people committed to change, committed to positive change in our landscapes, to increase the value of our homes, and to increase the time we have to spend with our family in that home that we value. And that's what the membership's all about. So if you're looking for some confidence, you're looking for some direction. So I'll, like I said, you know, I'll be building coursework off of this project to show you how to do this process from the planning and concept stage all the way through the installation stage. And so that's what the membership's all about is to help you have the tools you need, the confidence you need, and the community support to move forward and make a positive change in your landscape. Go over and check out the show notes, ely.how slash episode 56. There I have a link to the prairie drop seed plant if you want to check out more about that. Link to the membership. Uh, Also, if you have any questions, you're always welcome to just drop me a quick question. Go to ely.how slash pod. And there at the top of the page is a button that says, ask a question. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.